Well, I believe one of the great joys in life is quality conversation with a friend or group of friends around a fire. In my mind, there is there is nothing better. That is that is my safe space to be with someone who I enjoy and to be there, the fire going, and just talk. To talk, just to connect. And you can talking you can talk about seemingly insignificant things like why Michael Jordan is clearly better than LeBron James or why the Cincinnati Reds are going to win the World Series. There's a pandemic. I don't think they need to play the season. They can just give the Reds the trophy. You have these kind of conversations. Or you can talk about things that do have significance in life. You can open up about your story. You can talk about the present realities of the world and the pandemic and response to it and and discussing things like injustice and, and politics and things that sometimes there's disagreement on, but it's important to talk, important to converse. I, I, I love that. I love it. And then one of the most discouraging things is when the conversation's coming to an end, when the fire's going out. You get to that time in the night, the, there's coals on the fire and it's not burning like it was. And, and now I'm, I'm bad often at knowing when something when it's time to go. You know, you get to that time of the night and, and I'm like, hey, let's put another log on the fire, right? Let's order some pizza. It's like, Jay, it's one in the morning, bro. It's it's uh it's time to go home. Time to get some sleep. You know, I just I don't want it to end. I want it to keep going. You know, when I think of of burnout in life, I think it's that time when there might be a particular thing that was a passion, something that was a good thing, and yet the fire is going out. I've had an opportunity to, to talk with many of you and connect with you and, and other friends, and it seems like many are, are feeling this sense of burnout. The weight and challenge of this pandemic and the weight and challenge of thinking of social issues like racial injustice, the weight and challenge of the economic realities and the relational realities have added this burden where things that used to maybe be a passion, there used to be a fire that was burning, now now it's going out. It can, it can happen in a host of ways. It can be a work that at one point was a passion. You applied for that job. You interviewed. You prepped. You got the resume all nice and looking good, and you were passionate about this work, and eventually... The newness, the passion, the excitement wears off. It might be that relationship. At one point, you were, you were pursuing them and dating them and got married to them, and you just the mere being in their presence gave you butterflies. And then over time, the, the fire can burn out. The passion isn't there. It might be your walk with God. One point was exciting. You just. We're excited to read your Bible or pray. It felt easy and came naturally, and then eventually the fire's going out. It could be a relationship with the church. At one point it was exciting, but then you realize it's not perfect. And you know, we have these experiences in life, and we can have it with doing justice. At one point there was passion, excitement for the work, and then feeling burnout. Many of us are feeling that. I've been feeling that a lot lately. Sometimes I can 
get so excited and it's like gasoline, pouring gasoline on the fire and ready to run, ready to move, motivated by passion and yet get to these places where I just feel the sense of burnout, kind of this indifference or questioning the, the ability, capacity to, to do anything good. Are you feeling that way? Have you been feeling some burnout? We've been looking at Micah, uh, Micah 6, uh, verse 8, in this pivotal passage. We've been asking, what does the Lord require? What does He really want? And we're closing out our series today with the third command that Micah gives. I'll read our passage. He says, He, God, has told you, O man, what is good and what the Lord really wants from you. He wants you to carry out justice, to love chesed, that's faithfulness, and to live obediently before your God. Many translate that to to walk humbly or to walk wisely with God. If we're going to be a people, we've said we want to align with God's one. What does God want? He wants you to do justice. And that justice needs to be based in His chesed love. We looked at last week, the motivation for justice. And this week we close out thinking of how we can be about doing justice for the long haul, and it requires walking with God. And so I'm going to draw out for us this today just three observations of what God is inviting us into in this walk with Him, what walking with God looks like, what He's inviting us into. Uh, first, God is inviting us into, in this walk with Him, He's inviting us into intimacy, to be known and to know Him. Going on a walk with someone is not just about getting somewhere. It's about the journey. It's about relationship. And God desires this. In this partnership He's forming with His people, that it's not just be about actions on His behalf, but actually to be known by Him and to know Him in return. This is intimacy. Intimacy is to know and be known. And God desires that. The, uh, the website BBC, media company, they... They published an article looking at the top cliches from dating websites. I'll just read a few of them for you. Top cliches on dating websites. And so here, here they are, a few. Uh, one was, one cliche is that people say, I'm new to this, so here it goes, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> new to this, just giving it a shot. And, and basically, if someone's writing that, what they're trying to say is they're uncomfortable or they are downplaying wanting to be here. You know, they don't want to look like an, an eager beaver here. Of, hey, anyone out there? It's like, hey, I'm new. I'm newbie. I don't really know what I'm doing. So here we go. I'm new to this. So here it goes. Another cliche that's common, one of the top cliches is my friends say I'm dot, dot, dot. My friends say I'm, and then give the adjective. My friends say I'm smart, or my friends say I'm funny, or my friends say I'm creative or good looking. It's a way to brag about oneself and bring the credibility from their friends and cliche. You know, you just say, just, just be funny. Just, just be kind. Don't say my friends say I'm kind. Just be a nice person. And then the third one, and uh, we, we've heard it before, maybe even thought of it, is third cliche is, I like long walks on the beach. And the author pointed out, they're saying, what, what, you know, who doesn't want long walks on the beach? We all 
long for and what we're trying to communicate when we say that is, is we want intimacy. We all want to take a long walk with someone we love in a beautiful setting where, where they can know us and, and we can be known by them. One of the things that unites all of us, every person, is the desire to be known and to know, the desire for, for intimacy. And when God says that He desires, one of the things He really wants is for us to walk humbly with Him. It's one of the things He's inviting us into. To be known by God. Now, here's the challenge with intimacy. Why many of us, why for many of us, intimacy can be the, the greatest source of pain in our life. And it's because to be known by someone requires vulnerability. And that's scary. To truly be known by someone, there's a, there's a risk there. What if they reject us? What if they know us for who we truly are and, and they would rather know someone else? They would rather unknow us. The author Frederick Buechner in his book, Telling Secrets, he, he hits on this tension. He puts it this way, so rich. He says, I have come to believe that by and large, the human family all has the same secrets. I like that. You know, families have secrets. And he says, the human family all has the same secrets, which are both very telling and very important to tell. They are telling in the sense that they tell what is perhaps the central paradox of our condition, that we hunger for perhaps more than anything else is to be known in our full humanness. And yet, that is often just what we also fear more than anything else. It is important to tell, at least from time to time, the secret of who we truly are and fully are, even if we tell it only to ourselves because otherwise we run the risk of losing track of who we truly and fully are and little by little come to accept instead the highly edited version which we put forth in hope that the world will find it more acceptable than the real thing. Man, we live in a world of image man management, of trying to put out a highly edited version of ourselves. And in so doing, we come to believe that that's who we truly are. And friends, what that leads to is a fractured self. What that leads to is personal exhaustion. God invites us to be known by Him. Not the edited version, but the real version. Who we truly and fully are. The psalmist gets to this, the joy of this invitation in Psalm 139. And I'm going to read you Eugene Peterson, the poet, his, his translation of this verse. He says, he puts it this way. Listen to the beauty of these words. He says, Oh yes, you shaped me first inside then out. This is the psalmist praying to God. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God, your breathtaking body and soul. I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit, how I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. This is the beauty of being known by God. That our Maker he sees us. He sees you. 
He knows you, your inside and outside, who you fully are, the, the, your deepest fears, your, your greatest aspirations. He knows you and He loves you and he's, you are worth Him sending His Son to die on your behalf. And when you embrace His Son and live by, put your faith in Him, not your ability to, to produce the perfectly edited version of yourself for the world so that in hopes that the world will look and say you are accepted. No, Christ comes and when our faith is in Him, God looks at us and all our imperfections, the real us, and says we are accepted. We can be known by God. And friends, what a gift because this means we can be honest with God. We don't have to produce edited prayers we can just be honest. We can share our fears and our hopes with God. We can share what we really want. We can bring that to God because He knows. God invites us into intimacy to, to be known by Him, but then also to know Him. And this leads to the third um, observation of walking with God, a life of living and walking with Him. God invites us to join Him at His pace. We're joining God in the pace in which He is he's walking through life. You know, we're reminded here that God invites us to walk with Him. And that means, and I, I mentioned this before, that it's not just about the destination. When you're going on a walk with someone, you're not trying to get to the destination as fast as possible. It's about the journey, not the ends. And here we're, we're reminded that walking is very different than running. Walking is very different. You, you feel in the passage from Micah the urgency to do justice, but it's coupled with joining God and in in walking with Him in His pace. And some of us are so worried about the destination that we miss the means of getting there. You know, I like to think of this in how we drive. An illustration I, I use routinely, you know, Megan and I have different approaches to driving. When our family's going on a vacation, we're driving a long way. In my mind, it is about, the drive is about getting there. And so I will set the speedometer at the highest speed that I think will allow us to get there without being pulled over. And when we get behind someone slow, I will literally watch the clock to see how and measure the speed at which we lost so that when I get around them, I will go above that limit for that allotment in time in hopes of, of uh, catching, you know, making up for lost time. I, it's probably, it's, it's a problem, most likely. But it's about getting there. And, it, and, and the drive is uh, the means to get to the destination. Megan, on the other hand, Megan, she's, she enjoys the journey. I remember one time we were uh, going on vacation. We were driving from Columbus, and we had to go through Cincinnati. We left early in the morning, and so Megan started us off, and I, I fell asleep, and I woke up. We're in Cincinnati, and I'm looking around. I'm thinking, wow, we've made up a lot of time. How long do we get here? We had gotten from Columbus to Cincinnati in an hour and 15 minutes. Megan was so enjoying the journey. She was going super fast, and then sometimes she's going slow. Often I'll be sitting in the passenger side just monitoring the you know, hey, you're going a little slow here. And of course, she's just trying to enjoy the journey. Like, thanks, thanks, Jay. Glad we can have quality conversation here. But many of us approach that to life. We're just trying to get to the destination. And here's the thing. When we're walking with God, we're joining His pace. And if we're honest, many of us feel like God is that 
slow driver in the left lane. You get behind him and you're thinking, what's your problem? Trying to get somewhere. God, what's your problem? Trying to get somewhere, God. You know, Jesus in his life, he, he walked. He, he literally walked from places. You know, if there was anyone who could have been in a hurry, it was Jesus. He, he, he you know, people to heal, crowds to teach. They could have fashioned, he said, hey, God's here, only a little bit of time. Let's get a chariot for Jesus and let's get him going, right? We need to get from place to place. And yet Jesus was never in a hurry. He took naps. And, and I think one of the reasons Jesus was in, not in a hurry is he was about being present everywhere he was. He knew life was not about just getting to the destination, but every moment's a destination in and of itself. We think of walking with God. We're, we're joining God in His pace. And this affords us the opportunity to be present, to be present with God, to be present with others, to be present with ourselves. And when we think of doing justice, this is so important to keep in mind because justice is not just accomplishing goals out here, but it's about a life, a life of bringing justice and wholeness in flourishing in all the normal, ordinary moments that we find ourselves in. Are we joining God in His pace? And, and also, this joining God in His pace, we're, not, we're walking, we're not strutting. You know, the translation of, of walking humbly with God. This reminds us of our third and final observation. We are, God invites us to join in His purpose. We're joining Him in His purpose. You know, we're walking, and it's not just about the destination, but there is intentionality to it. There's purposefulness in the walk, in the journey. We're not just meandering, floating through life, but we're walking in a direction when we walk with God. And this brings us full circle in this series. We've been asking, what does God require? What does He really want? What is God's purpose? What is his purpose in life? Recently, I was in a meeting with the mayor and a, and a few other pastors, and the mayor opened up the conversation with a great question. He said, it's important that we all ask what kind of city we want. What kind of city do we want? And how do we pass laws and legislation and relate in a way that it brings us to that? And as a Christian, we need to ask that question with a twist. As a followers of Jesus, we are asking that question with a, a little different angle. And it's, what kind of city does God want? What kind of life does God desire? And how do I align what I want for the city with what God wants for the city? And how do I align what I want for life with what God wants for life? There's, there's no question more pivotal than exploring than this right here. What is God's purpose? When He invites us, when He says to walk humbly with Him, to live obedient with Him, to, to walk wisely with Him, he's, walk, he's inviting us into a journey, a life in alignment with His purpose and plans. And this is what we've been looking at. What is God's purpose? What does God really want? Micah says to do justice, to love 
chesed, that's faithfulness and mercy, and to walk humbly with Him. And you can bring that all together. What is God's big purpose in the world? It is to bring about the flourishing and wholeness and justice for all people. This is God's purpose. From Genesis in the garden to Revelation in the future garden city, God's purpose is to bring shalom, to bring justice and healing and wholeness, to bring flourishing. And that's God's people. This must always be our purpose, the why behind all the what that we do, the why behind gathering for worship, the why behind doing groups ministry and classes, the why behind mercy ministry. You know, why, why does our church adopt a position that, that we, we encourage pro-life when it comes to abortion? Why, do we, why are we about the work of addressing racial injustice? Why are we about caring for immigrants and refugees? Why are we about mentoring young single teenage mothers? Why are we about providing a meal for those who are hungry? Why are we about encouraging families to host children who come from crisis situations? Why are we about these things? Why do we partner with Young Life at Columbus City Schools? Why, why do we want to plant churches? Why? Because God's purpose is to form a community, a covenant that's rooted in His love, that joins Him in the work of bringing justice and wholeness and flourishing in the world. And friends, as we wrap up this series, we've asked, what does God require? What does He really want? What is His purpose? You know, we must always come back here. This pandemic is an opportunity for us to reflect and think on what's most important in life. What does God want? What does God require? What is His purpose? And as a church, we must reflect on this. What does God really want? What's God's top concern? What does He require? What is His purpose? You know, there's a lot we could be about as a church. There's a lot we, a lot we could devote our energies toward. We could, we could put a lot of effort and energy to thinking about music. We could put a lot of effort and energy around making sure we, you know, no one's rude to each other. We could put a lot of effort and energy to producing um, really entertaining sermons and things. And all oh, that's not bad. But you and I, we have to think about what kind of church do we want? Do we want a church that puts all its resources and energy around a production on a Sunday? Do we put our resources and energy around entertaining ourselves, getting the right coffee, being comfortable? Or do we put our energy around experiencing a degree of discomfort and challenge so that we could experience a walk with God that allows intimacy, slowness and ordinary of pace, and partnering in His purposes. Let's, let's create and build that kind of church. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank You for being a clear God. You answer right here, what do you really want? To do justice, to love faithfulness and mercy, and to walk humbly with You. May we, about, may we be about Your wants, God. 
May we be always about joining you. It's in your Son's name and the power of the Spirit we pray. Amen.